Morning Twitter. I'm Stephanie McNeil. He's Isaac Fitzgerald, and you are watching AM2DM. Isaac, happy hump day. Happy. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. You're right. Happy hump day. We're halfway through the week. Yeah, that feels really exactly. good. It feels really good. In general, here I will say this too. Uh, we're not really into like. Uh, you know, Pancake Day, International, like, Ferrari Day. But it is worth noting that today is International Cat Day. And we are BuzzFeed, and we are fans of Buffy, my cat, here on the show. That's really what it's all about I for me, that, Stephanie. I'm that, a big Buffy stan. I think that, I guess that was a little uh, egotistical to say myself, but I mean, I think that's true, right? No, I mean, we love Buffy. Buffy's been on the show. Buffy's has. worn a Halloween costume for this show. Buffy's an AM to DM, like basically a co-host. <gasps> Don't get me too excited. <laughs> well, she is up and she is live tweeting the show for International Cat Day as we speak. Let's go and see some photos of this. She's watching? We got it. Of course she's watching. Uh, we oh. oh, we don't we have, don't have them. You, okay. You, I tweeted them. You tweeted them out. Listen, I'm going to retweet the, the tweet that Stephanie did. These photos are absolutely to die for. And so shout out to you, Buffy. Use the hashtag aim to dm Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, in non-cat-related news, there was also a lot of elections that happened last night. Here's a tweet from Middle East Eye. U.S. Congress is about to get its first ever Muslim and Palestinian woman meet Rashida Tlaib, which was a big, big win over John Conyers. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah, she won the ele or she won the Democratic nomination to fill John Conyers' seat. Obviously, he's a huge uh, person in that district. He's a longtime figure. He resigned after an investigation from BuzzFeed News, actually. So it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have a lot to talk about later in the show. But I think for a lot of people, that was a huge win last night. Yeah, a huge win. But we're going to talk about all of it when we go live from the district with Tarini Party later in the show. Yeah. Well, Alex Jones has been kicked off YouTube, Facebook. And even Pinterest and YouPorn, <laughs> but not Twitter. And Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey said he is not going to be. He tweeted, we didn't suspend Alec Jones or Infowars yesterday. We know that's hard for many, but the reason is simple. He hasn't violated our rules. We'll enforce if he does, and we'll continue to promote a healthy conversational environment by ensuring tweets aren't artificially amplified. He also said it is up to journalists to, and I quote here, document, validate, and refute such information directly so people can form their own opinions. And Jack, I gotta be honest, a lot of journalists were like, WTF, mate. Columbia Journalism School professor Bill Gruskin tweeted, if only journalists had publicized the fact that the Sandy Hook murders did indeed take place. Thanks, Jack. And our own Ryan Broderick tweeted, my guy. Hope the world's journalists moderate our site for us is not an acceptable content strategy. Sure ain't. <laughs> BuzzFeed News InfoWars specialist Charlie Wardzell joins us now. Charlie, hello. I made up that title for you. What do you think? I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, this is uh, not surprising for someone like myself, who's been covering Twitter and its uh, response to you know harassment and, and platform moderation for a long time now, um, I think there's a there's a lot to unpack here. One is that uh, Alex Jones uses Twitter a little bit differently than he uses some of the other platforms. He is a little more careful about what he does. He's not 
um, posting, you know, full long videos like he does on, you know, YouTube or on uh, Facebook. He also, you know, changes captions and things like that for, for some of his content uh, to make it a little uh, harder to, you know, throw down the hammer on. And I think that that really is because Twitter is such an important platform for not only Alex Jones, but other InfoWars employees and members of the pro-Trump media sort of writ large. This is a place where you know, you, it's really, I think of it as sort of the crossover point or the, the portal, so to speak, between sort of this alternate universe of pro-Trump news and conspiracy and propaganda and the mainstream. And it's where, you know, they can sort of reach out and grab the attention of journalists like ourselves um, and sort of hijack news cycles. So I think it's really crucial that they stay up on this platform for them. And that's why someone like Jones is using it a little differently and why, uh, Jack sees Alex Jones as not perhaps being in violation. So let's talk about Jack's decision though. How does it reflect kind of Twitter's view of itself in the media ecosystem? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. I think we're always trying to figure out where Twitter, how Twitter really sees itself. I think, I think that, you know, they are really worried about getting caught up in making, you know, some of these, some of these decisions. I think they also see too exactly, you know, how important they are to a lot of these people's careers. I, I often think of uh, the former Breitbart journalist and professional troll Milo Yiannopoulos. And when he was banned from Twitter for um, har leading a harassment campaign against uh, Leslie Jones, the actor, uh, Milo's career kind of tanked after that a little, a little bit. I mean, you could really see how he wasn't able to get in back in the conversation and sort of, you know, attract attention. And I think that that, you know, that sort of um, freeze out is, is really consequential. I think that they actually see that too. Um, and, and, and I think the one thing that, that we should be clear about here is a lot of folks have sort of, uh, said that you know this statement by Jack Dorsey means that they won't ban Alex Jones. But the one thing it, we know about Jones is that he's always pushing the envelope. And now that he has l fewer platforms to go on and try to do this stuff, I, I do think he's going to try to test Jack Dorsey and Twitter's rules as best as he can. So I think we have to also uh, you know be ready for the possibility that he will do something. That, that could get him banned and that in the future he, he potentially could. We saw a lot of journalists kind of freaking out about Jack's comments. And, you know, with media Twitter, I feel like a lot of times people, I feel like, are just kind of screaming into the void. Do you think that any of the commentary from journalists is going to be something that Jack is going to take into consideration? Maybe he'll change his mind a little bit? Or do you think it's just a lot of people complaining and nothing's going to change? Well, it's Twitter, so it's a lot of people complaining. But, um, but I, I think that I, I think Jack is very cognizant of what journalists are saying, what celebrities are saying, what you know, power users of the of the platform are saying. I think he and a lot of folks at Twitter pay a lot of attention to that. I think that the statement is is interesting. Um, uh, some former Twitter employees bristled against uh, that statement, as well as a statement that they've been really bad at messaging, uh, saying, you know, you shouldn't sort of blame your communications team uh, for, for some of these larger issues. But, you know, I think, the, I, I think that Twitter has had such a hard time trying to figure out how to, you know, moderate this platform and how to, how to you know, drive what they call healthy conversations 
Um, and Jones is obviously someone who, who, who works against those healthy conversations because he's acting in bad faith. But, you know, as far as the journalist aspect, I, I think that, you know, a lot of people, self-included, saw a lot of, um, saw that as a, a difficult statement to swallow, especially because, uh, you know, Twitter employees have actually come out uh, privately. A few have, have talked to me and they've actually accused a lot of journalists of, you know, of spreading um, some of the misinformation as we have been trying to, you know, debunk and bat that down. Uh, that happened in the aftermath of both the Parkland shooting and uh, the shooting at YouTube earlier this year. So I, I, you know, I think that, yes, of course it should be a journalist jobs to, you know, come on here and, uh, and debunk things and, and help, you know, get the truth forward to the largest audience possible, but to rely on that as sort of a, uh, a product feature, I think is, is a bit galling to a lot of people, especially those who come on here every day to do our jobs and get trolled, harassed, and, um, and, and, and have to deal with all that. Charlie, I think from all your InfoWars reporting, you deserve a nap <laughs> and to not be on Twitter for approximately 12 hours. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem. I feel like Charlie will be back on Twitter in about like 12 minutes. He's, he's already on, he's on Twitter right now. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, our very own Alex Berg, producer here at am to dm tweeted, Ruby Rose, an out queer woman, will be Batwoman on the CW, and this is just beyond exciting. I'm screaming. Even though it's 2018, it still feels so good and surprising for an LGBTQ woman to get to play a superhero. Also, Batgirl was a lesbian in the comics, which very exciting excited about that tweet. I share, I share Alex's enthusiasm. I'll also say, um, uh, 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 actually, uh, real quick, uh, Batwoman and Batgirl are two actual uh, separate <laughs> characters. Um, they're, they're, they're different, they're different characters there. You mix that up, Alex. But really, in general, this is such great news and people are so excited about the fact that Ruby Rose will be playing Batwoman on the CW. Yeah, that's a really important distinction that you made there. I didn't know. Thank you. Yeah. Any, anyway, anyway, uh, Susanna Polo, the comics editor at Polygon and founder of the Mary Sue, joins us now to discuss Ruby Rose as Batwoman. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, guys. Hey, so to start, what do we need to know about Batwoman the character? So Batwoman... Um a lot of people, if you get online, there may be some pedants who will tell you that Batwoman is actually from, you know, the 1950s and 1960s when she had a hyphen in her name and she hung out with a Batgirl who also had a hyphen in her name. And ironically, she's a lesbian superhero these days, but the very first sort of character who was called Batman in DC Comics was put into the comics in order to allay a lot of parental anxiety that Batman and Robin had coded homosexual messages in it because... Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne never dated anybody um, and just hung out together, two dudes, just being bros. Um, but so Batwoman was brought back sort of in the mid 2000s, sort of as a really like different concept from, you know, the sort of earlier century version of her um, in a series called 52 um, that was sort of written as this sort of like weekly television se television style comic book series as opposed to monthly with a writer's room and a stable of artists um, as a lesbian Jewish superhero using the Batman logo in Gotham City in a time when Batman and the rest of the Robins were not being superheroes for a year. 
Uh, one quick thing, Suzanne, I just gotta say, are you coming from the Batcave? Because your background looks <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm coming from I'm coming from Polygon's own, um, we call it the den. It's where we play video games. So it has to be a little dark and spooky. I wow, love what it. what a cool office. I love it so much. So uh, how are people feeling about Ruby Rose as the pick in general? Um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's exciting. I like, uh, like your, your colleague said that we've got a queer actress playing a queer character in 2018 as the lead character in her own superhero show. Um, and I'm definitely very excited about that. I think some of the caveats I've seen is that I've had, um, sort of Jewish comic book fan friends of mine express disappointment that they couldn't find a Jewish actor to play her because they feel that, like that's also an important part of what Kate Kane represents to them. Um, but overall, like the response that I've seen has been very positive. And like a lot of people really excited just to see this character get her due. It seems like superhero TV shows, especially the slate of them on the CW, are really making an effort to have a lot of representation these days. But we're not really seeing that in the superhero movie realm with Marvel and DC and the like. Do you think that the work that the TV shows are doing on the small screen will eventually translate to the big screen? I think that's really kind of up in the air. I mean, I think a lot of the, the CW shows all have sort of the same group of people behind them. And it's very much about like, who do you have who is making the production, who is has the goal of getting that stuff into, you know, into, into the work that they're doing and into, you know, the, and in front of the audience that they're serving. Um, you see like, you know, queer creators like Brian Fuller saying like, oh, well, I'm in star charge of Star Trek now. So we're going to have a gay character in the new Star Trek. And like, it's going to be in there. And, um, and you definitely have people behind the CW shows who are sort of coming from that same place and saying, okay, we're going to like a Supergirl show is going to happen and we're going to put characters of color and, superheroes of color and um, queer characters and Black Lightning and other shows. Um, and we're gonna make sure that we take those characters from the comics and we make sure that we include them. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of who you have behind the scenes and whether or not people behind the scenes in the movies have sort of those same goals and those same personal like touchstones and priorities. And we'll start making those calls themselves. With that in mind, Susanna, are there any other queer superheroes that you'd love to see, like get a movie or get a TV show? I would love to see a an Apollo and Midnighter something, anything. Apollo and Midnighter are from this, it's complicated, but they're from this other comic book company that was later bought by DC. And they were basically designed to be sort of the Batman of that universe and the Superman of that universe. But they're also totally gay and in love with each other and like super violent. They're the kind of superheroes who will just like murder really bad people if they want to. And that sort of combination of like realism and cynicism, but also like two guys who have been through a lot, but also really love each other. They're, I really love them as characters. They're really great. Everybody should go check out and read um, Midnighter and Apollo, Steve Orlando and ACO's uh, six issue miniseries about a, a Midnighter going to hell to get his boyfriend's soul back. Yes, Susanna. I love that you were like, <laughs> I want representation and I want more murders of bad guys. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show. Thank you guys. Okay, Twitter, we want to hear from you. What other queer superheroes would you like to see get a TV show and who should play them? 
let us know using the hashtag am to dm All right, listen up. We've got a great show for you today. Chantal sits down with Gina Rodriguez, and word on the street is there will be flower crowns. But up next, it's time for Fire Tweets. Welcome back. Uh, we were talking about Ruby Rose and Batwoman. I nerded out a little bit and had to point out that Batwoman and Batgirl are two separate characters. Apparently, I mean, I, I, I I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, but Rachel, hey, Girlfield, uh, I feel like you, you kind of made the peace with this tweet. Batwoman and Batgirl should team up and fight crime together. And I feel like that's a really good idea. Yeah, what's, what's the difference between the two of them? Is Batgirl, like, younger? Yeah, and, like, different backstories and... Don't put me on the spot too much. I just know that they're, I just know that they're different <laughs> the characters. The truth is revealed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just saying, I like the idea of Batwoman and Batgirl kind of teaming up. It'd be good. They could be in love, too. There you go. All yeah. sorts of different things are possible. Let's get to these fire <laughs> tweets. All right, you ready? Yeah. 27 male NYC. Okay, we're going to drag Isaac a little beer, a little here. <laughs> White people love to use the bathroom before leaving a restaurant and come out shaking their hands dry saying, ready to rock and roll? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is me. That's very much This you. is very much me just but like, all right, guys, ready to rock and roll? Let's hit, the, let's hit it. Let's go. That's like you as a dad. It's, I, I <laughs> wish I could say it was me as a dad. It's literally me now. Um, one of our producers, Julia, literally said, I saw the tweet, and Isaac, I immediately pictured you. Uh, I, you know, maybe I need to, I feel like I got dragged the other day for saying rock star a lot too. I just need to maybe get some new, some new vocab words. No, no, I think, you know, you gotta embrace who you are. All right, thank you, Steph. All right, let's do this. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're me. Whitney Merrill, you tweeted, I'll do it on the plane is the biggest lie I tell to myself. Okay, so Isaac, again, <laughs> I think you need to explain some, you know, it's 7.30 in the morning and some filth entered. We read this tweet in our, in our meeting and Steph was like, I mean, your reaction to it is. I said, I know, I always take things I don't want to do at home, like write thank you cards on a plane because I can just get it out and you have nothing else to do. And then my, you know, innocent self was sullied by this disgusting I'm man. sorry, I'm just saying I'll do it on the plane is the biggest lie I tell myself. I went to another place, I didn't think thank you cards, I thought it was more like, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have sex on the plane, and then when I think about the logistics, it's a lie that I tell myself. I get that it was a misreading on my part, I apologize. I, I mean, I'm, I'm disgusted, that's all I really I apologize. Right yeah, no, you're not forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Petrie, punctuation is the difference between for sale Baby shoes never worn, and for sale, baby shoes never worn. <laughs> I don't know if I did that. No, before. you you read it. You read it perfect. You want it for sale, baby? For sale, baby. All right, all right. <laughs> Julia Reinstein, you tweeted pretty messed up. How what are your weaknesses is an acceptable question in job interviews, but not on first dates. And that's just a good point. You know what my answer is? I care too much. You care to, that, that would even on a first date or in meetings as well in uh, like interviews both it, both all right I yeah. love too hard I'm too good at being a girlfriend Would you ask somebody on a first date what are some of your biggest weaknesses Sure why not I mean yeah. I don't know Last time I went on a first date, I was young and drunk so <laughs> I don't know what I would do right now <laughs> all right, Let's get into tweet of the day 
I love this. Adamelia. My friend Luke didn't realize until he was an adult that lukewarm was a real temperature. He thought it was just a term his mom used to describe his bath water. That is so incredibly cute. That's like the opposite of my read of the plain tweet. That is yeah. so, so adorable. And I like the idea of it works for soup too and like foods. It's like, oh, the sandwich is- It's lukewarm. It's lukewarm. Aww, I'm sorry, that's my so favorite. So cute. I love it. All right, listen, stick around. We've got more heartwarming stuff for you. But first, we're gonna go live from the district. Nothing heartwarming there with Tarini Party. Stick around. Only gross. <laughs> Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini. Good morning, guys. All right, let's start with some news that broke just as the show started this morning. BuzzFeed's Mike Hayes tweeted, Here's the indictment for Congressman Chris Collins. Feds announced insider trading charges against him this morning. Collins was an early supporter of Trump's presidential campaign. So, Tarini, what do we know about this so far? Yeah, sure does seem like a lot of people involved in politics are getting indicted these days. But in, in Chris Collins's case, he was the first sitting uh, member in Congress to endorse Donald Trump. He is being charged with insider trading. Uh, he allegedly um, was passing along non-public information about this Australian biotech firm to his son, who was then trading off of that information. So that's basically what we know as of this point. There were a lot of spe there are a lot of special election and primary races to catch up on. So here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News's Henry Gomez. The Ohio 12 results aren't yet official, and O'Connor isn't conceding. Republicans have declared victory, but also are openly nervous about this very close race in a deep red district means for the fall. Tarini, so even if Balderson and the Republicans win this seat, why are they so concerned at the moment about the outcome? Yeah, so this is a seat that is not one of those swing districts that we've talked about before, where Democrats see pickup opportunities and kind of that's their path to the majority in the House. This is a seat that has been represented by Republicans for decades. Uh, President Trump won this district handily in 2016. So this should not have been a tough race, but it's been so close, as uh, we saw last night, that the, and, and we're so close to the election at this point that this could be telling of of, you know what is what could come uh, in November, where even races that um, even seats that are very Republican and where incumbents think they're safe might not actually be safe for Republicans. All right, but speaking of November, Tarini, don't these two just have to do this all over again on November sixth? Yes, unfortunately, we have to see this exact same race play out for a few more months. And uh, those uh, the people in the districts are probably going to see those same ads over and over again for the next few months. All right. Well, listen, here's a tweet from Grace Weiler. Palestinian-American Democrat Rashida Tlaib has won the race to replace Congressman John Conyers, virtually ensuring she'll become the first Muslim woman elected to Congress. Tarini, how significant is a win? Is this win? 
This is a big deal because, as you said, she will be the first uh, Muslim woman to, elected to Congress. And, you know, this is a time where obviously a lot of the Muslim population in this country feels under attack by the Trump administration. We've seen a lot of them in this year announce that they're going to run for Congress. And the fact that she uh, won and, you know, is likely going to be uh, elected to Congress because she has sort of an easy general election here, um, that says a lot about the, the kind of feelings in the, in the Muslim community and the energy that we're seeing from them. Yeah, and people are really celebrating right now. Why is her general election win so, as you said, kind of guaranteed? So she ran in a crowded uh, Democratic field uh, where there were tons of candidates. She also was endorsed by the Democratic Socialists of America, which we've seen with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's win. They've, this is sort of another notch uh, for them, another victory for them. And we'll probably see them get more involved um, after these big victories in these sort of, in this case, a crowded primary. And obviously in New York, uh, we saw kind of a huge upset. So we're seeing their sort of a political machine kind of build uh, in this in the past few months. And to clarify, we are all dying to know who won the Ron Estes versus Ron Estes race. Here to clarify for us is a tweet from Matt Berman. Ron Estes won. OK, so which Ron Estes actually won? <laughs> So it was the congressman, Ron Estes, that won, and he won pretty handily. But obviously, this is such a fun race that uh, we still want to keep talking about it, even though it was not politically the biggest race of the night. It was not. All right, well, let's leave it with this tweet, and this is really how I'm feeling, from Sam Baker of Axios. Can we please just hurry up and have the actual midterms already so that we can get on with 2020, so that we can finally arrive at 2021 and find out which one piece of legislation is going to pass between now and 2025? Uh, breaks my heart, but, but very, very true. That just makes me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a tweet from Zoe Tillman. Day seven, the cross-examination of Rick Gates continues. Manafort's lawyer estimated yesterday he'd need about an hour today and then redirect by prosecutors. And then we don't know. The government hasn't said who's after Gates. Trini, so how big of a deal is the day to day on this and what did we learn from Gates' testimony yesterday? Yeah, so the day-to-day has -day sort of evolved like this, you know, political soap opera. We've learned a lot in the last few days. And more importantly, we know the president is keeping a close eye on this trial and seeing how um, it progresses. We've seen him tweet about this. So we know he's keeping an eye on it. But also uh, with the testimony that we heard from Rick Gates, we learned so much about uh, kind of uh, how the, the swampiest parts of Washington, D.C. work. Um, and he also admitted to a lot of wrongdoing. He uh, admitted to everything from embezzling money from his partner, Paul Manafort, to uh, potentially stealing money from Trump's inaugural committee, to having an extramarital affair uh, and keeping uh, an extra apartment in London. So there was a lot that we learned yesterday. Um, and just it's interesting to see how it fits into everything we know about D.C. and sort of the sketchy parts of um, foreign lobbying.
All right, now I'm, I'm sorry to like be like, can you just simplify it for me a little bit, Tarini? But there's so much news coming out of the story. Just, I gotta take it to the scale. Just give me a scale. One to 10, how kind of shocked <laughs> or engaged with this testimony should we be? And is it gonna be the biggest testimony that comes out of this trial? So Rick Gates is supposed to be the star uh, witness here, but I, I would put this at maybe an eight. <laughs> I mean, that's high. Eight's high. Eight seems If like I got an eight out of ten, yeah, that's yeah. pretty high. All right, all right. Well, listen, thank you so much, Tarini. And by the way, congratulations on your engagement. Congrats. Thanks, guys. Come Yay. On. Can 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 we just get a little Beyonce dance? Can we get a little? Can we get a little <laughs> hand up? Yeah. All right. All right. Listen, up next. <laughs> Love John. it. Good news. You need some good news nowadays, right? <laughs> Thanks so much for joining yes. us, Tarini. Definitely next. something to celebrate. And we got exactly. it. Exactly. Up next, Chantal sits down with Gina Rodriguez. Stay tuned. Very exciting. It's going to be good. the Golden Globe winning star of Jane the Virgin. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, that intro. Yes, I was like, oh, give it my all. Yes, give it all. How are right you? Now. I'm great. So you yeah. just celebrated a birthday. I did. We love a Leo. Oh, my, a lioness. I love Leos. Fish. What are, I'm a Capricorn. You're a Capricorn. And Leos are, we're just like synergy. It's really works. I know nothing about astrology. Oh, you don't. I only know that I'm a Leo, and the description of Leos sounds a lot like and me. you're also very selfless people, and you love deep. Very deep. I live for this. Yeah. So what's this beautiful rock we have <laughs> on your finger? It's what's here. About to shit myself, too. Hey, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's love. It's an extension of oh, love. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love to hear that. So season um, is coming up for Jane the Virgin, and yep. I must say, my soul, my spirit is just recovering from the season. Ooh. Okay, I was not prepared for that cliffhanger. Neither was I. So you weren't. So what can we expect from this upcoming season? Um, well, what was very exciting is I'm directing the season premiere of Jane, and uh -huh. I just got the first episode of season five a few days ago. Wow. So good. Oh my goodness. These writers are really just stupendous. I mean, Jenny Ehrman had always had it in her mind that Jane's journey was going to be five chapters. Okay. So we're living out the the full blessing of her, like, of her premeditated project. Yeah. You know, for television, you don't always get that lucky. You're not always given the opportunity to, you know, obviously every season is either, like, picked up or, you know, canceled. So every year you definitely deal with that as, um, as a production, you know, as an art maker. But... To have your entire vision realized, that's a huge gift. So they're kind of stupendous. Yeah. Like what we have set for season five is out of control. Absolutely. And it's, and it's going to like encapsulate the whole shebang. Oh, wow. So yeah. who do you want Jane to end up with? And oh. do you have a say? Girl, I'm living that progressive life. I'm like, why can't I have them both? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. That's uh, <laughs> a girl can dream. A girl can dream. Uh, a girl can dream. Just the best aspects of both of those gentlemen, right? Um, I don't know, I'm super torn. Uh -huh. I mean, there was such a, like, as an, as like a human being watching the show from afar, I always wanted Jane with Michael. Yeah. And I think that's like grown up Gina is like the nice guy. Yeah, same. The nice yeah. guy. It's comfortable. Yes, the guy that's gonna like be good to yeah. you when you're like. Cook your breakfast. On your period. Yes. Being like, Mama, I got you. Yeah. Not making it all weird mm -hmm. and making a stigma. Pat your back. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, because Raphael's that playboy that you're just like, I don't know. 
I don't yeah. know if he'd be there for me. Do you have a say in who she chooses? No. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm not, not writing this. I can't touch that. Not compared to our writers. Yeah. No. But, um, but now I'm like in a, we'll see what happens. Okay, wow. So since you don't have a say on who she chooses, no. yes. you do have a say on set because you are a director. Yes. And you directed yes. this past season yes. episode of Jane the Virgin and you're directing an episode this season. Yeah. What do you love the most about directing? Using my entire brain. Wow. Using all my creativity. I mean, as an actress, I do feel like I can fly. That's definitely where my passion was. But when I studied at NYU, I majored in um, theater and I minored in film. I always knew I wanted to direct. I did not think there was a space for me to do that. And I feel like that happens, especially like if you're a woman of, if you're a person of color, you definitely have never, we haven't seen ourselves in all the aspects of life, um, or at least portrayed positively or uplifted or supported in yeah. those spaces. So as a woman, not having many female directors to look up to as a younger, you know, when I was younger at NYU, I didn't feel very drawn to the capability mm -hmm. of being able to be in those spaces. The more I worked, the more I was surrounded by empowering, uplifting women that opened the door for those opportunities, the more I realized that's kind of where my passion has always been, is to use everything I have creatively. As an actor, you definitely can use your creativity, but it's limited to what you are doing. When you're a director, oh, you can just tap into yes, everything. Every hands and in just, every pot. I love it so much. I'm like, yes. It's like everything to It's you. everything. Oh, it's amazing. everything I've ever studied, everything I've ever worked with, every part of my whole life. Like even like the little bit of guitar I played when I was like in seventh grade. Yeah. You know, like everything has helped me to this point. And I think when you direct, you get to use everything. That's so amazing. It's a vehicle, right? And mm. so speaking of uplifting, you donated your Emmy campaign money yeah. to an undocumented college student. Yeah. What was that like for you? Why was it so important? important for you to give back? You know, I don't know. I feel like this conversation is so big. Mm -hmm. It's so, um, there's just so many, uh, let me see if I can like tackle all of them. When I first got Jane, there was this immense pride of being able to be a positive um, character mm -hmm. that happens to be Latina, that happens to be a woman on TV, Complex, right? Yeah. Boom. It was like, yeah, she was multidimensional. She wasn't stereotypical. It was a family of positive, uplifting people. It was a, a show I would have loved to have seen, a show I saw, Ugly Betty, you know, like when I was oh, in college. But Erica Ferreira. Yeah. Oh, love you. Love. Mm -hmm. A show I would have loved to have seen when I was 15 mm -hmm. years old, you know? Uh, Ugly Betty came a little late. I was a little older at the time. Um, but that being said, it opened up so many doors. So boom, then I was like, wow, okay, I'm able to do, I'm able to be in this project that is uplifting Latinos in a positive light, that's women-led, yeah. that's women-led both in front of and behind the camera, writers, directors, so empowering, boom, right? Then you go on this like award circuit yeah. jig thing. And it is interesting. And, um, and it's twofold because you're like, I want people to watch my work because then that means that Latinos are positively portrayed in the media. Mm -hmm. Then that means that I get to keep acting. Then that means other opportunity for Latinos. So I want the recognition for so many, in, in ways in which it has contributed so much. Golden Globes contributed so much to bringing awareness to our show, to keeping us on air that many seasons, to, um, creating this uh, desire to have more Latinos, yeah. you know, as leads, and we're seeing them pop up everywhere. Jaina on Station 19, and you know, like Eva Longoria is making show after show with Latinos yeah. in it, and America on Superstore. And so we, we see this, we see this progression, and we get excited about it. 
What I realized on some of the other awards circuit, Golden Globes is very inclusive and always has been, and always has been inclusive in starting someone's career, finding the newcomers, finding the ones in the little in the corners that don't often get like light shine shown on them, shined, shown, shine, 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 whatever you want, darling, shining, shining. shining. Yes. shining. <laughs> so, um, so because of that, it was like. There, it was really incredible to be a part of that. Some of the other awards aren't as inclusive, mm -hmm. you know, and we've, uh, I think, communally, both in the black community and Latino yes, community have been very vocal sure. about that. Um, and in the Asian community with Crazy Rich Asians coming out, support, support, support. Uh, Constance Wu, I love film. you. I saw it too. Same, so Love, so cry, everything. Um, so when I started realizing that we were lacking in other spaces, uh, my attention went to those spaces to be like, let me show you how many talented mm. people of color we have. And so I started Movement Mondays on yes, my Instagram. I love those. So I was like, yeah. this is what's going to help me mm -hmm. and my mental health. Because if they keep telling us there's nobody to award, I'll keep showing you the mm -hmm. people that you can award. Yeah. You're going to tell me they don't exist. I'm going to show you they do. And in all, in all um, underrepresented groups, not just Latinos, on my page, this is what I was doing, right? So then this was like my positive mental health space is how I'm gonna positively put more artists out there. And then it came around again this year and I thought, you know, I, I understand the drive to want to do this award circuit and be recognized amongst your peers and the whole thing is very exciting. And we're all just little kids. Mm -hmm. Just little kids wanting attention, wanting people to love yes. us, wanting people to say what you did was good, I'm proud of you. You know, because I feel like that's what—that's all I am. Yeah. And learn more. I get a little wiser. I would. I hope, but I'm still just like a little kid. Like, love me. Yes. Please love me. Please tell me what I'm doing is right. Right. There has been a lack of Latino nominations in the Emmys for years. Mm -hmm. It's not anything new. <laughs> it's not nothing new. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I'm very proud of the Latinos that were nominated this year. We had about three. John Leguizamo, Ricky Martin, and Edgar Ramirez, and I'm very proud of all three. I do think there was a lot of phenomenal talent that was ignored. Mm -hmm. And I thought, so instead of doing this circuit, why not I win for once? Yes. And I'm not talking about like winning a trophy. I want to win. I want to feel like progress and change, and I'm doing something positive instead of standing out there saying, hey, pick me. Mm -hmm. I'm, going, I'm going to say, I'm going to pick. I'm going to be the vehicle. I'm going yeah, to be the vehicle. Absolutely. I'm going to be the one that's going to help someone win this time around. Yes. I'm not going to put my money into a space that they do clearly do not offer Latinos mm -hmm. any kind of recognition. I'm going to recognize someone that is doing phenomenal work. And we found this incredible young girl who's undocumented, who was obviously a DACA recipient, that was going to Princeton. Mm. And her... The, the money that she needed was the amount of money I had, so now she doesn't have to worry about. Oh. And so, which leads me to the awesome campaign that I'm here yes, a part of. Because to me, yeah. I, it wasn't even trying to make a segue, yeah. but this is very, very true and very much exactly what needs to happen is like being in a position in which you can create and contribute to the small hole that needs to be filled. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this campaign with Always. I'm so proud of the campaign too because Always has been doing campaigns like the one that we are currently working on for 30 years. Yeah. They have been donating pads across the world to women and girls that have been lacking access. Mm -hmm. Recently we have discovered through Feeding America, 
the organization Feeding America does the school pantry program and it supplies the school pantry program with food for kids that unfortunately don't have money for lunch, don't have food to bring for lunch. A huge part of the data that has really is still dark, really doesn't, we still don't know if this is fully correct, is that one in five American girls miss out on school or leave school because they don't have period. Wow. Products. Can you imagine? I cannot. Can you imagine getting your period at that age, already feeling super uncomfortable, super vulnerable, super insecure, and your body is doing all these changes, and then you don't have any protection? I want to say this. We are so powerful. You have so much power at the, at the touch of your fingertips. Go to always.com and figure out how you can contribute yes. to, this, to this cause, because I can't do it alone. Yes. Always can't do it alone. That's why we are seeking help. We are seeking uh, the power of yes. you, Chantel, the yes. power of the sit down yes. so that we can create awareness. For sure. And all you have to do is post a picture on social yes. media, hashtag Check end poverty. poverty. Yeah, end period poverty. End period poverty. Boom. You've contributed, male or female, you can contribute. Absolutely. Everyone's a contributor. Everybody's a contributor. Go to always.com, find out how you can, can help. I love it. We <laughs> love everything you do, amplifying these voices. Yes. Sheena, you are a light and you are amazing. Please continue the great work you're doing. Oh. Blessings. Love you dearly here. Thank you. All right. Up next, more AM to DM. Grizzy, you tweeted. Sometimes I just want to delete all my social media off my phone, but then I think about all of the memes I would miss out on. That's a definite mood, and I'm with someone who knows a thing or two about meme culture, Taylor Lorenz, a staff writer at The Atlantic. Taylor, meme queen, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you wrote a cool story about apps and memes, and you said, as memes evolve, apps are struggling to keep up. This was a really interesting story about something that I've never really thought about before. So how have apps been rendered semi-useless when it comes to memes? Um, well, it's, it's basically, it's much harder to create a meme than you might think. I mean, we see them all day. Um, you know, we've probably all maybe created some memes. Um, I've tried, and it actually is very hard. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, it can be easy to, like, create the classic kind of, like, tweet-looking meme, um, but creating a kind of complex meme, and especially, like, a more arty meme as, you know, a lot more kind of, um, I guess we would say creative formats, uh, meme formats evolve, um, it's harder to do. I mean, some of these people basically have been forced to make it in Photoshop, so, um, you know, some really pro-memers. So, um, so there's a bunch of sort of uh, tech tools that are trying to fix this and basically make meme mapping, make meme making easier. Yeah, I've only ever made a meme in Photoshop, very poorly, I might add. On your desktop? <laughs> yeah, on my desktop. What? Um, yeah, so obviously memes have evolved, like you said, since the very early memes of like Success Kid, where it was literally just, you know, a sentence on top of a photo. Yeah. So for those olds of us who might not understand how memes have evolved, what are some of the complex memory that we're now seeing? Yeah, so it's funny because that, like you mentioned, the Success Kid meme, the top apps in the App Store are all like, basically these memes that look like they were made in 2012. Like they're apps for making the impact font, you know, kind of classic memes. Memes today look radically different. I mean, there's a few really popular formats. The one sort of like tweet looking 
spacing format um, is big right now. Um, and even just getting the spacing right or you know, getting the right picture to text ratio on that can be really hard. Um, there's also you know, a lot of other kind of like creative formats, like we've seen niche memes become popular, which have a lot of the kind of clip art in them. Um, and just people really getting creative with fonts, um, you know, different graphics, stock photo editing. Uh, it's, it's really become a form of expression and communication. And you know, people want to say more than just like, you know, whatever success kid was saying, I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned clip art, and I was actually really surprised to read in your story that you said a lot of, some of the people said they make their memes on Microsoft Paint, yes. which is a program I have not heard of in a minute. So yes. that's even going to like, what, 2003 internet, but is that really the most uh, user-friendly thing they have? It's crazy because Microsoft Paint actually has more robust tools than a lot of meme-making apps. Like, you wouldn't think, you know, to use it, but Microsoft Paint, it's like you can do kind of some fun things there really easily um, in, a, in a much more, um, I, I guess, like smoother way than using a lot of the photo editing apps that are out there because they're just not built for meme-making. They're not thinking about what these memers need, like to, for instance, to add watermarks in certain areas to cut or, you know, cut out certain photos or just all the different things. They can't creep up, you know, these formats evolve every day. There's like a new meme format, so it's hard to keep up. So obviously there's a huge gap in the market and someone can go in there and make an app that probably would do super well to cater to this market. So what would this app need to have? Yeah, well, that's really hard um, because you know, app, you know meme formats are changing. I think it needs to, according to memers, be a very robust photo editing tool above all else. Um, you can't, it's very hard to make like a meme app um, that that isn't you know just copying that is allowing for one format of meme and not evolving. So I think any type of app that can really iterate fast, incorporate um, features really quickly based on user feedback, um, and uh, and yeah, is built like with memers in mind. I think um, you know the the race to kind of conquer this market is um, there's a lot of tech companies. There's also a couple of memers that have gotten together and are creating their own meme apps. So. Are any close? Um, well, Momus uh, meme app is an app made by um, a bunch of big memers actually in New York. Um, and so it's pretty good. You know, they basically want to allow people like their fans to create the types of memes that they see on their own account. Um, and there are some other tools. I mean, Instagram actually offers a lot of, you know, creative editing tools in the Instagram stories section that a lot of people, especially younger users that don't want to download a whole separate app, will just do it all in Instagram stories. Yeah, I mean, the gifts portion alone has, I feel like, made my content way more robust. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I feel like, I don't know, I tried to make some memes. I actually made a meme for the cover art for my story, and I did it. Very good job. And I loved it. Yeah, I was getting laughed at by a couple of memers, but, uh, but I actually made that on Instagram because I felt like some of these other tools, like Fonto, Pixar, like, they're just, they're just a little hard to use. They were really built as photo editing tools, so you kind of have to, like, hip, you know, switch between a bunch of apps to get the whole... Uh, experience. And it depends, you know, some people are making more simple memes. That's okay. Um, but it's just, yeah. I loved the meme that you made. And thank you for keeping us up to date on all the latest in meme news, Taylor. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Have you ever made a meme? Send it to us. And send it, if, if you've made multiple, send us your best using the hashtag AMTDM. When we come back, Isaac and Essence are making flower crowns. You're going to want to see this. Here's a tweet from JP Brommer. Flower crowns were a cute trend 
and all, but I'm glad Rihanna and Beyonce are ushering us into a glorious new era where we can wear a full-on garden as a hat. Oh my God, I feel like these are just the photos I've been seeing on my timeline all the time. Here uh, to talk about how we got to this glorious floral era is as is beauty editor Essence Gant. Hey! How we doing, Essence? I'm doing amazing. It Thanks is to Beyonce so, and Rihanna. It is so <laughs> good to see you. What, what do we got going on here? What's this? What's you know, this? Just a little choker. It's uh, called Black, or the name of it is Black, and it's by Beats by Ari. It looks so, so good. Thank you. All right, so let's talk flower crowns, and yes. I feel like build up to basically flower garden hats. Yes, yes. When we talk about flower crowns, who's mm -hmm. the first person that kind of comes to mind? You know, Isaac, I'm glad you asked because uh, Frida Kahlo is the OG, <laughs> you know, the OG oh, flower okay. crown wearer. Okay. And that you see, looks like, amazing incorporated on you. in our arts? Yes, okay. yes. It's like oh, how we like know kind her. Of a high, excellent. Yes, high, it has to be high. Yep, 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 yeah, yep. It can't drop. It can't droop. I feel really good about this. I mm -hmm, feel really good about mm -hmm. this. So that's like this is like that's what you where your brain goes basically. Exactly. I mean, boom. Look at this. I'm like twins, literally twins. The and y'all got the good eyebrows the too. Ooh, thank you. That is a big compliment it's a huge to compare compliment. my eyebrows to Frida Kahlo's yeah. eyebrows. I will take it. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, we also when we think about flower crowns, for me, I definitely think about like kind of the sixties. Yeah. Like Hippies, Daisy yes. Chain. Yes. Who embodied that look? Okay, I got you. Lauren Hutton. Lauren Did Hutton. Ooh. It's, and it's simple, you know? It's, uh -huh. it's kind of minimal. Uh-huh. It's simple. It's chic. Uh, it's a it's a good look. It's Let's a see good here. Look. How am I doing on mine? I like it. There we it's go. It's perfect. Yeah. And so how do you get, like, can you just kind of make it yourself? You can. You can go to your local craft store, get you mm. some fake daisies mm. and a little wire, and there you go, honey. And there you go, there you honey. Go. Could you do it? You can do it with real daisies, right? Yes, you can. All you right. You can do it with real daisies. Well, shout out to Lauren. All right, we yes. saw Beyonce and Rihanna, all right? Let's be honest. That's who inspired this entire segment. Uh, yes. Rihanna on the cover of British Vogue, mm -hmm. Beyonce on the cover of American Vogue. Yes. Um, how did they change? the game. Well, you know, it's like that saying, it's ugly until Rihanna says it's not. And <laughs> we weren't talking about floral garden hats, headpieces, even though they were on the runway. And then Rhea and B did it, and we were like, it has to happen. It has, here, I'm gonna it just, to, you're gonna. There you go. Let me just anoint you with that. Let me. Wow. Can we just, this together, yeah. like this is Here, you everything. want me, you want me up yes. here like this? Yes. Just up. Somebody mm -hmm. get Anna on the phone. I feel like they did it a little better. But what did it mean, like, what did you think of this? Like, what did you think when you saw these covers? I thought it was so beautiful. I was so happy. It was just, it was such a moment. It was black history. It was everything. And I was just like, did they call each other? And like, girl, okay, I'm into the US, you do the UK. <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen? But I, I was so happy. Do it's, you think we're gonna see like, is this gonna be a look at like a wedding? Well, I mean, honey, if you go to church in the South at a black church, this is a look on Sunday. <laughs> so it's already happening. It's already happening. <laughs> All right, well, lastly, I know these iconic women uh, really popularized this floral headdress, but is there a way to kind of rock a more masculine look? Like a. I mean, I think you could put some in your beard. Yeah, I you, do. do we, I think you. Ooh. I got. If, Let's if you, do it. If you Let's want, do it. you know, we can do this. Let's Isaac. do this. We can. We can, I'm here for it. Oh my god! I'm here for it. Would you, you would yes. judge me if you saw me dressed up I looking. would not. I would be like, he is a confident person. <laughs> and that's what I would say. <laughs> 
Well, Essence, thank you so much. I'm gonna put this back on. Yes, I like the way it felt. Just make it a look. There Heads we go. Essence, thank you as always for making me beautiful. <laughs> You're welcome. Up next, we're reading your tweets. You're the best. Thank, <laughs> thank you for coming you. on. Welcome back. Welcome to our show. You look fantastic. Today we're trying to talk about finding your center. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously today was like a good show and everything, but everyone's really upset because we didn't get to see the photos of Buffy, especially me. So we have them for you now. Here she is. She's been live tweeting the show for International Cat Day. She said my performance was a B plus, so she's nah, gonna have man. a lot to work on. She said it was an A. Look at Buffy. Yeah, that did was, Buffy get a haircut? She did get a haircut. Um, she her hair was out of control, so we got her a haircut, and she looked ridiculous for the first like two weeks or so, and now she's looking a little bit better. This is our preferred length for her because her hair is so insane. Any of you guys, if you have long haired animals like dogs or cats, it just your life is pet hair. Stephanie, so, I don't wanna, I don't wanna objectify your cat, but Buffy's looking a little swole. Buffy's looking a little built. You know what? We're this is our summer of fitness, and she just you know keeps going after it. So Buffy's kind of like uh, I think Buffy. I, I'm gonna call it Buffy's a unit. Buffy's an absolute unit. Wow. I love it. Well, listen, wow. we, we also ask for superheroes you want to see on screen. <laughs> Rachel Hey Girlfield. I'm sorry. We you also so talked about silly. It's really hard. You <laughs> tweeted, I'm excited to see a live action movies of Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl. Nerdy fun women is such is so is much needed in superhero movies. I've heard a lot of people say Squirrel Girl. I've heard a lot of people are looking for that movie. And it's one of those comics where I think kind of before Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know if I thought people could maybe pull it off because it's such a weird comic book, but kind of after they pulled that off, after you pull off a talking tree and a, and, and, a, and I'm sorry, talking raccoon and a tree person, I feel like they could really pull off Squirrel Girl. So I'm looking for that. I don't know anything about <laughs> anything you're talking about. You're like, Isaac, you sound like you're just saying gibberish. Uh, yes. <laughs> Moving on. Pix Raven has this reaction to Jack's statement on Alex Jones. Jack's statement is intensely infuriating and stupid and so-so privileged. The only thing taking the edge off my ire is all the responses coming for him. That's, yeah. I mean, that, I think a lot of people felt just so strongly about this. Yeah, I think I saw his tweet only about 20 minutes after he tweeted it, and it was one of the moments on Twitter where you're kind of scrolling absentmindedly, and then you're kind of like, wait, what did he do? Because it was just the whole timeline was like, at Jack, at Jack, at Jack. So yeah. it really was something that I think a lot of people were fired about, up about, and rightfully so. You know, journalists have had kind of a tough run of it the past two years. We feel like we're always kind of being painted to be the bad guys. And I especially think it's going to be one of those interesting subjects as we go into the uh, midterm election. So I feel like there's a lot more. Charlie will be on the show again. Uh, <laughs> we were also talking election results. Sini Martinez, you said, the midterms mark the two years I've been back in New York City. My husband and I left Texas one month after Trump's inauguration. It was getting too crazy down there. Uh, Sini, I know you're a longtime viewer, so uh, congratulations on the two years, the upcoming two years back in New York City. City. Uh, that said, I feel like it's pretty crazy up here too. 
So it's six crazy of one, everywhere. six of one, half a dozen of the other. But I feel like New York is kind of a little bubble where we all take care of each other a little bit. So Aww. I feel like the flower hats are really getting to us. We're really kumbaya, kumbaya. I got. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen. Thank you to our guests: Gina Rodriguez, Charlie Warzel, Susanna Polo, Tarini Party, Chantal Fallins, Taylor Lorenz, and Essence Gant. And thank you, of course, to Stephanie for co-hosting this morning. Thank Everyone, you. give her a round Namaste. of applause. You look. Really, really good in that flower crown, I'm just gonna say. Listen, I'm co-hosting with David tomorrow. We'll see if we can get him in one of these as well. We'll see you there, 10 a.m. I hope he wears one. This is surprisingly heavy.